Thank you uh, for being with us here this day. Hey, we're going to continue in our series today called Living Like Jesus. Uh, you can turn, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. Or maybe you want to use a device or just look at the screens. But before we jump into the talk today, I want to kind of give a, a church update, make an announcement, and told the first service this, want to update you on where we are. So I'm going to give a little context first and then help you understand where we're going. So in 2019, of the fall of 2019, we had been praying as a church staff and we really felt that God was saying you need to move to two services. And we did. And so in faith, if you were here in 2019 of December, uh, we did. We were uh, seeing about an average, about 150, 160 average attendance kind of total was an average that we were at. And we knew that the number we needed to get to primarily for volunteer reasons, you have to hear that, not just like so we have a number of people. It's just, if you get above around that 200 mark, we could have the volunteer system or the people to be able to pull off two services so that people don't have to serve in both services. And then you're just doubling the workload. So anyways, right around Christmas of 2019, I think in our Christmas service 2019, uh, this is an accurate number, is 263, I think is the number that we hit on that Christmas day. And so we felt like God was saying, you need to go with two services and just sustain there. And so we did. So if you were here, our first uh, hunger project, we served, we did 25,000 meals. How many of you guys were here for that first one we ever did? We had, a, there was 185 people. So some of you were here. It wasn't just me. And uh, we packed 25,000 meals in this room. Do you guys remember that? Raise your hands if you were a part of that or you remember that? And so we felt, and I made a decision there. We said, hey, we're going for two services starting in 2020. And we applauded, we cheered, it was exciting. So 2020 starts off, and we do. We actually end up averaging right around 200 people. In February, uh, in fact, on Super Bowl Sunday, February 2nd of 2020, we had 202 on the day. And so we felt like this is, we made the right decision. This is good for our church, so we have room to grow, and people can serve one and attend one. And so we did that. Then March 8th came, and uh, we found out, of course, we were shut down because of the COVID stuff. And ever since then, I uh, heard this statement this week that it's been like a jet ski. You know, when you're on a jet ski, you're just trying to, you know, ride the wave the best you can and navigate the course. And no one, by the way, has ever written a book on how to lead a church through a pandemic that I've ever read, at least. They're starting to come out, which I think is way too soon because no one still knows how to lead a church through a pandemic. But we here at Brave, we've done an incredible job navigating this thing. Uh, and I mean, all glory to God, but our volunteers, so many people have remained flexible from our kids' volunteers to our production team. Can we just celebrate them once again? Like, man, making all that happen. The sound, there, there's, some of you don't even know this, but there's sound that comes through these speakers that you hear, but then there's a whole nother sound that has to be managed that goes online. Then there's just a whole process to it. So just a lot of churches can't even pull off what we pull off. And, you know, I'm not bragging on us, but I'm saying it's just incredible what our team has been able to do to navigate this. Well, anyways, so we found out in July of 2020, so we were shut down obviously for several months, we were able to come back into here. And so we did for or some of what some of us did, not a lot of us did, but we, we came back in here. And so the staff, I want you to hear this, is going, well, do we start back in July with one? How many people are going to come back? How many people aren't going to come? What's, what should we do? We only have one space. And so we didn't have any kids' classrooms. Do you guys remember this? We were actually putting kids in the back corner. Then we're putting more kids back there. And so we thought, well, we've 
going to have to go with two services so we can socially distance and the mask and the whole thing. And so we did. And so we started in July 2020 with two services uh, that what we learned really quickly was not everyone came back. And so we found ourselves in a situation, to be honest, one service, we had one individual sitting in the seat and all these people are serving, you know, and it just, it was like, gosh. So we decided it would be better we go to one. So we did. So we went to one service at 10 a.m. and we got back into that going into Christmas. And everything's smooth sailing. We're seeing our numbers. Everybody's kind of coming back. People are getting, you know, more comfortable or whatever. Well, then in December of 2020, uh, we thought, you know, Christmas is coming. You know, probably go to two services because that's kind of standard of what we've done. Then we find out we get shut down. You guys track with me? Am I going too fast on this? Track with me? All right. So 2020 comes of Christmas, and we, just, we have a decision to make. Do we want to do two services for Christmas? Do we do one service? And in that conversation, we get a phone call that basically we're shut down, and we can no longer meet here a week out of Christmas. So now we're going, guys, we just got a whole nother level of issues. We have no place to meet at all. And so we end up, by the grace of God, within 48 hours or so, finding out Plato Academy, finding that venue to meet in. And so we met there, and we went to visit the place, and of course, it was a lot smaller. I mean, some of you know that. Some of you here, how many of you here for the first time, you're like, man, the AC is so much better here, you know? And uh, the ceiling height, it doesn't feel as tight. And so we knew with all the COVID stuff, the social distancing, that venue could not hold, uh, you know, we had to have two services, because you could only fit 50 or 60 people in that auditorium, you know, with the social distance stuff. So we did. We went from the two to the one, back to the two. Again, just try and navigate all of this. And then we come back into here. We find out, hey, we can get back into Odessa. Well, once we found out that we could use all of our space again, we asked, you know, the staff was meeting and we said, you know, should we get back? And we we're all like, absolutely. That place is so hot. It's, it's great, but people are starting to fan themselves, you know, and it's just, it's getting uncomfortable. So we came back here. So here's where we are. Uh, we've been thinking and trying to figure out what's best for our church in regards to taking care of the health of our church. And we've made the decision that starting next Sunday, we're going to go to one service at 10 a.m. Let me explain why we're going to do that. And we're very aware of all the changes. We're not making changes because we don't know what we're doing. Let me hear you. I need you to hear this. We're making changes because we're trying to ride the wave the best we can. And we've done an incredible job uh, over our staff, the volunteers, the flexibility. I mean, how flexible all of you have been has just been remarkable. The reason we're going to go to one service is really simple. It comes down to volunteer bases. I, I don't like seeing people having to serve from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. And so as a leader of the, the church, I don't want to see volunteers get burnt out. It's one of the things I hate to see the most. I don't want serving to be a drain. I want serving to be, a, I love serving in that church. I, I don't feel drained having to be there. And so we just simply don't have the volunteer base yet to to execute two services, here's the key word, well. Uh, since we started this church, we how many of you guys would say that Brave has been a hospitable, welcoming home church? You walked in, smiling faces, hands all over. 
It is the single most compliment we get. We don't get, man, Andrew's voice is saturated. We don't get, Ricky, your preaching is just amazing. We get, man, I feel at home. The, the first impressions team, by the way, is incredible here. From the parking lot waving at people and the baking sun, my father-in-law, you know, smiling and waving to everybody when they come in. But here's the thing. We can't pull off the level of hospitality, if you would, and even just the kids' classrooms. Some of, we've had volunteers in there who, you know, two volunteers trying to take care of 12 babies. Not really, but I'm exaggerating, but it's close, it feels like. So we want to be able to have a healthier classrooms for our kids. We want to be able to have a healthier volunteer base that instead of having one or two volunteers greeting people, we want to be able to give the people, your friends and the people you invite, the experience that you want them to have when they show up at Brave. But to do that, we need workers to do that, and we're just not at the numbers yet to be able to do that in two services consecutively. I don't know if you heard this the other day. This is not what's tapping into why we're making this decision, although I think it relates. Did you hear that Chick-fil-A right here in Trinity closed down the other day because they didn't have enough staff? How many of you guys were like, I'm, I'm mad right now. Y'all should get to work, you know. Somebody call in. But it's incredible that an entire company would shut down a store for a day or whatever, just because they didn't, couldn't pull off the customer service they feel is necessary. I, we're not doing it because Chick-fil-A did it, but I want you to hear my point. As a leader, I, I would much rather have a healthy church than an unhealthy, larger church. I, I, want, I want you to be healthy. I want us growing, uh, but at the same time, I don't want to keep seeing the same people volunteer and serve and just be exhausted when it comes to volunteering and serving, just so we can say, hey, we're going to stick to what this is. Truth is, as a church, we're going to navigate wherever the Lord leads us. And let me finish with this. Do I think we're going to get back to services? I do. Uh, we're already scratching the surface there. But at the same time, and when we do, by the way, when we go to two services again, hopefully sooner than later, then we'll be prepared for it. We'll know, we already know the numbers we're going to need. We already know the volunteer base we're going to need. And the reality is we're just not there right now. And so to protect the volunteers and those who serve in our church, that's, which by the way, is a lot of you in this room. Um, I think this is the best decision we can make for our church. And so our leadership stands behind it. Our staff stands behind it. And so we're going to go to 10 o'clock, just so you know, starting next Sunday. We'll continue that on, obviously, most likely, at least throughout the summertime, and then we'll just reevaluate. And if we continue to grow, which seems to be, well, by the way, Brave has been growing even during the pandemic, from our giving to our attendance today. It is growing in some regards. I mean, obviously, we've lost people, but gained people. Um, but anyways, and so if we got to get back above the 200 number on average, then obviously, we'll make the announcement. We'll go back to two services. Amen? Does that make sense to you? Um, I hope it does. So 10 a.m. next Sunday, we'll continue that on at least throughout the summer, and then we'll keep you updated as we go on, okay? All right. So Luke chapter 5, uh, that's where we're going to be today, and uh, verse 5 is where we're going to begin. And one of the things that moms say often, so I thought I'd start with this, moms, how many moms say often, because I said so? You get so fed up with where you are, you say, because I said so. And uh, you try to be a good mom, you try to do the explanation thing and sit down, Johnny, and say, listen, this is why, you know, whatever, and have this conversation. And then you're like, you get so frustrated, like, because I said so. And then I got another question. Moms do that all the time. And then how many men in the room, how many of you would say you hear your wives, you know, or whatever, had they told you because I said so? Anybody ever had their, their wife tell them because I said so? Uh, my wife tells me because I said so all the time. Um, and so I've titled the message today appropriately, Because You Say So. Because You Say So. All right? Because you say so. So I just want men to practice it. it men, if you're in the room, turn to your wife, if she's around you, and just say, I'm going to do what you said. 
This is Mother's Day, guys. We got to do better than this. Your Mother's Day is headed for a crash and burn. Okay, say, I'm going to do what you said. There you go, because you said so. All right. Okay, there you go. She said, can I get it recorded? We actually do have this on tape. So you got it. You can replay it for them. Go to our website, and you can watch it over and over again. All right, so because I said so. All right, so... uh, I'm excited about the talk today because I think this is one of those talks, and, and every talk we do is important to apply it and put it in practice in your life, but this is one of those talks that if you can do what God says to do, if you, you can follow along with this sermon today, this is a sermon, though, that you actually have to take and put it into practice. If you don't put this into practice, it will not give you uh, the, re- the reward or the fruit of, of the context of which we're going to talk about today. So this is one of those talks that you have to put into practice. By the way, I just want you to know, the reason why we're doing this talk today is because I believe wholeheartedly Jesus wants to teach you something that's going to help you become free in your life to experience all the goodness that God has for you. All right, Luke chapter 5. Title of the sermon, Because You Say So. Verse 5 is where we're going to begin. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake with the desert, people were in the crowd, and they're standing around, and they're listening to Jesus, listening to the Word of God. Verse 2, he saw, at, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. All that's telling us is the day was done, their jobs were done, they were wrapping up and going home. Verse 3, so he gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who is also Peter, right? Same person. So Simon or Peter. So he gets into Peter's boat and he asks him to put out a little from the shore. So just put your boat out just a little bit. And then he sat down and he begins to teach the people from the boat. The reason he says go out a little bit is most likely just for an acoustical reason, just kind of a practical reason. They don't have microphones and all of that. So, hey, push this out a little bit. Give us some room. Let me just teach the crowd some things. So he goes through the teaching. Then verse 4, when he had finished speaking, which means the message of the sermon in this context is irrelevant for you to know. It's not about the sermon as much as it is about the teaching that happens here. All right. He says to Peter, says to Simon, put out into the deep, put the boat out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. When he says, let down the nets, Jesus is making a strong invitation. And it's an invitation to place his confidence in the words of God. Would you place your confidence in what I'm telling you to do? I know you just experienced failure, but will you place your confidence in what I'm telling you to do? Place your confidence in the call, Peter. Place your confidence in my word. Jesus says, in other words, will you trust me? Will you place your confidence in my words? I want you to do something. If you have a Bible, you can grab it out. If you have your phone, grab it and put it in your hand. Okay, now hopefully you have the Bible app or you have a Bible in your hand. All right, you should have one of the two at least. And I want you to consider holding a Bible in your hand. All right, even if you're holding the phone in your hand. And I want you to think about this. Do you really trust everything that God says in his word? Do you place your confidence in every word that God has spoken in the Bible? Do you really trust him? His commandments towards this or that, towards kindness or towards forgiveness, towards generosity or towards servanthood, Just think about it. Do you trust everything that he has to say? 
When Jesus gives Peter this moment, he's saying, I want you to place your confidence in my word. Jesus, by the way, is never afraid to test your confidence. Jesus will test your confidence every single day. He is not afraid, unashamedly, to make sure that you put your faith and trust in him. Do you remember the, the thing that you used to do in kids camp, or maybe some of you did, or whatever, the test falls? Do you remember that, or the trust falls? Remember that, trust falls? And you have to lean back, you know, and somebody else has to catch you. How many of you did not trust your friends like me? You're like, I do not trust that guy. No way. Yeah. And um, some of you wouldn't even trust your spouse. They'd be like, nope, I ain't trusting you. But anyways, so Jesus, God is simply giving Peter an opportunity. Will you trust me? Will you trust me to make the catch, so to speak? Here's my point. I want you to see this. You will never experience the life in the arms of Jesus until you trust his words enough to take him at his word and fall into his arms. I'm going to say it to you this way. Make sure it makes sense. You won't experience life in the arms of Jesus until you trust his words enough to take the fall into his arms. You have to understand that if you want to experience the life that you've heard about is with Jesus, not a perfect life, but if you want to experience a life with Christ, it'll first require you to obey his commands. It's not like, God, prove yourself to me first and then I'll do it. No, it's, hey, trust me in my words and then I'll show you. It's always going to be that way. That doesn't change. Notice also, this came immediately following a moment of failure in these fishermen's lives. And I think that's very important to understand the timing of this. These men had just had a day of failure. And Jesus shows up and says, I want you to place your confidence in me. I think Jesus is extremely attentional, by the way, in his timing. Because it is often when we're paralyzed by our own failures that Jesus invites us to fall into his arms. It is often whenever he'll, he'll allow something to come your way to motivate you to trust him. So if, if my wife were standing on a trust fall, by the way, this is the example, and you were to put a cockroach in front of her, she would jump. She would take one of those stage dives right into someone's arms, right? Because it would be like a, a pain motivation. You put a snake in front of me, don't even try to ever play a joke on me, by the way. Oh, it's going to be funny now. We're going to get them. You will pay the price. Okay, anyways. <laughs> the point is, is, is the pain is a motivator. Okay, pain, moms, is pain a motivator? You ever motivate your child through pain? Come on. Okay? Pain is a motivator. The other day, yesterday, uh, yeah, no kidding, my wife, okay, and I'm telling you, I am more afraid to experience discipline from a mom than I am a dad, by the way. I was always more afraid of my mom than I was my dad. Let me tell you why. My, here's the example. Because women, by the way, will compensate for their strength, you know. They will go to a whole nother degree, even in their put downs. Like, you know, men make a little joke and then the women will take a stab and then twist it. You ever notice them? They're strong, so don't mess with women. Anyways, the point is, yesterday we're driving, uh, no kidding, we're driving, trying to have a day at the zoo, just trying to have some fun. And uh, me and my daughter are sitting there, you know, we're driving over, and my wife, we're, we're, me and Lillian are joking around with her, my wife takes out a shoe. Uh, uh, takes her shoe and starts beating Lily with the shoe. And Lillian's like, ow, mom, it hurts while I'm driving. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, babe, you got to stop. She goes, no, you too. And then she hits me with the shoe. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This literally happened. She beat us with a shoe. I'm telling you that because you don't mess with women. Here, here, 
pain is a motivator. So me and Lillian shut up. We're like, stop talking about making jokes on mom. All right. We learned our lesson. No more jokes on mom. And then here I am chairing the story. I'm going to get beat when I get home. She said it earlier. I can't believe you told them that. Anyways, all right. I'll deal with my consequences. Jesus knows what we know. Right? Pain is a motivator. The disciples have a decision to respond in confidence or remain paralyzed by their past failure. Can I tell you today? Don't remain paralyzed by your past failures. Okay? Jesus' mercy is new every day. All right, verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. It, I just need to say this totally not off my notes because God just gave me a word for me. Even going into the two services, I remember sitting there thinking, Lord, how is this going to happen? Here's how much food we have. Here's where we are. I don't see it. And the Lord said, no, you go to two services, you do it, and I'll fill it. And he did. And I just think about how God has been faithful over this journey. And I'm not in no way changing anything here. I'm just saying how God is just faithful when you obey what he tells you to do. And even when you don't see it, you trust what he says to do. I want us to always be a church. We just do our best to follow Jesus. I heard a pastor say one time, you know, massive search. And people ask him, how do you get that? How would you grow? How would you get that? He said, really simple. We prayed and then we obeyed. That was it. And I know there's a lot more that goes into it, but I pray that we are a church. That we just listen to what Jesus says, and then we just obey to what he says. If Jesus says next week to us, or two weeks, or five months from now, you need to do this, we're going to do it. And then, by the way, I don't make all the decisions. I go to our staff to get these things confirmed. I go to our leadership to get these things confirmed. I just want you to know, it's not like I hear and then we're on. I hear, and then I confirm throughout our leadership. Make sense to you? Just thinking about the faithfulness of God. And these, these men are experiencing that right here. And here's what they say. Master, we've worked hard all night. We've caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When Peter and says to the master, by the way, he's now acknowledging who's in charge of his life. Remember, Peter is the captain of the boat, but now Jesus is. Jesus, you have the control. And Peter makes the decision, the choice to say, I trust what you say. I trust your word above my emotions. I trust your word regardless of what is happening in the world around me. I trust your word even though my kids are not where I want them to be. I trust your words above my job situation currently. Peter lived a life of because you said so. My prayer for us today is that we would live our lives this way. If Jesus says it, I do it. So let me give you an example of this in Scripture. In Scripture, Old and New Testament, so you can't argue with me both, the Bible says to lift your hands when you sing in worship. And I'm summarizing those two statements. But I can show them to you later if you need to. All right, so lift your hands in worship. So I want you to lift your hands right now. Not because I said so, because Jesus said so. I want want you to think about this, all right? You put your hands down. My point is, when you sing in worship, do we wait for an emotional thing to come, or do we do it because God says so? When we sing in worship and I lift my hands, I do it because he, because he said so. The front row got it, and let's make sure it gets all the way to the back. We lift our hands in worship because he, we serve one another because he, all right, amen. 
Man, because he said so. I, I hope you get this today. That when you open your Bible up, you begin to do what it says just because he said so. And I found the feelings don't always start off. It's the obedience first. Because he said so. Now, verse 6. When they had done so, I want you to say it with me out loud. When they had done so. Okay? When they did what he said to do. Not before, you know, not, not like, not when they thought about it. Listen, not when they, you got to hear this, not when they thought about doing it. So many Christians today want to say, well, I'm going to think about it. Here's what Christians normally say when, when, when they're really debating whether or not to put God's word into action in their life. Here's what Christians are so good at saying. And I'm good at it, you're good at it. Come on, let's be honest, all right? We're in church, it's Mother's Day. All right, here we go, ready? We, we do this, right? We say, let me pray about it first. We use that line all the time. I'll pray about it. Hey, you know, maybe you should forgive that person. Well, I'll be praying about it. Or maybe you should just do it because he... Yeah. You know, you just got to think about that in regards to because he said so. Do you actually do what God's word says to do because he said so? And that's it. Peter says because you said so. I don't need anything else. You said it. I'll do it. And the writing here is interesting because it makes it seem like this happened immediately, but nowhere in the text does it tell us how long this actually took. It makes it feel like the nets went down, the fish came in, and maybe that was so. And if you've watched the movies back from the 70s or 60s, that's the idea that we get. But I'm not convinced that's exactly what happened. It could have been two minutes. It could have been one minute. It could have been an hour. In fact, part of me wishes Scripture would say it took 29 hours before a fish jumped in because I think that would reel more symbolically to what we associate with. Because the reality is God will speak to many of us to do a certain thing and we put the nets into the water, but it doesn't happen immediately. Some of you have been putting your net in a water following what God instructed you to do and you're still waiting five years later for the catch. And it's in the moment that you're doing that. It's in that moment that the nets are sitting in the water. Here's what happens, that your confidence in his word gets tested the most. I have found that most of the time when your your faith gets tested, your confidence gets tested, it's in the period of that waiting. It's when you're saying, God, you spoke something. My nets are in the water and I'm waiting. And then the questioning comes. And so you think about this idea that these guys put the nets down in, the fish start coming. I'm not so convinced that's how it went. At least in my walk with God, that is normally not how it's went. I put my nets in the water and then I wait months, years, years, and years for God to do something in my life that he said he was going to do. I think about the church the same way. God spoke something. I'm like, when, Lord? He's like, nets in the water, five years, keep waiting, I'm coming. You know, to stay patient in that in that gap. If I could say something to you today, if your nets are in the water and you're kind of waiting on God, if you would, to to fulfill a promise, here's my encouragement to you. Don't ever stop. Don't quit. Keep your nets in the water, regardless of how long it takes. Keep trusting, even when you don't see the results that you expected. Remain patient, trusting that the words of Jesus will be fulfilled. Verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the boat, and I love this, to come and help them. 
And I don't know if they were bragging or what, but they said, you got to come help us out. Our fish, the fish are overwhelming. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. You got to see this. Both boats now are sinking. I want you to know this. When God delivers a miracle in your life, it'll never be intended just for you. You got to see that whenever Jesus was working through Peter's obedience, it was through the obedience of Peter that other people received the blessing. That is to say, whenever you decide in your life to obey what God has called and told you to do, and through your obedience, you actually have the power within you that God moves through you to bless somebody else. In other words, it's on your side of obedience that other people get blessed. So when you start obeying what God has told you to do, your children get blessed by it, your husband gets blessed by it, your wife gets blessed by it, your families get blessed by it, your generations to come get blessed by it, your neighbor gets blessed by it, your co-workers get blessed by it. Jesus will never do a miracle, an amazing thing in your life just to prove himself to you. He'll do something to you, through you, to get to somebody else as well. It's an amazing story that he doesn't just fill their boat, but he fills someone else's as well through one man's obedience. It's, it's really powerful when you think about it. The, the magnitude, and the power, the availability that you have through one act of obedience. It's powerful. Incredible story. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now in context, if you're a fisherman and the guy's just driving your boat, why do you use the language sinful man? What does that have to do with fishing? Truth? Nothing. But what Peter is acknowledging here is there is something about you. You have deity in you. I'm acknowledging who you are. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. Peter realizes who Jesus is. And he says, I'm a sinful man. Peter also later on in his life would say to Lord, remember the question, Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter jumps up and says, you are the son of the living God. I think it comes back to this point potentially where Jesus, Peter remembers this moment. I remember when I first met you, I remember how this went down and you are the son, no doubt in my mind. I remember that fishing trip. I remember what you did. And he declares who Jesus is. Listen to me, you will never experience the fullness of who Jesus is until you trust in who Jesus said he actually is. If you want to experience who Jesus is, get to more, know about Jesus in your life, it's first believing that he actually is exactly who he said he is. Not who he was, because that would be inaccurate, that would be to say he was God. No, he is God. Do you really believe that Jesus shows up and says, I am God in the flesh. My Father's in me and I am in him. I'm the word of the flesh, the word that came to life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Do you really believe Jesus' words? Your whole life changes the moment. And I'm telling you, what you do with Jesus dictates your entire life. Do you trust Jesus' words that he is exactly who he said he is. Peter did. If the disciples had kept trying under their own power, they would have never received the great catch. They had to first put their trust in Jesus. Verse 10, Luke 5.10, it says, And so 
were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, to wrap this up, listen to this powerful statement, don't be afraid. Why would he say, don't be afraid? What does that have to do with catching fish? Oh, because of the next line that comes after it, that leaves the mouth of Jesus. It says, from now on, you're going to fish for people, indicating when you start fishing for people, you're going to have moments of fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything, followed him. These men had just had one of the greatest catch in their life. Everything had finally come to fruition. They finally got the dream. They finally got everything they were. I mean, they got payday. The bonus just came in. The paycheck, the breakthrough, the opportunity to fulfill the dreams that I have for my life. This is what I want for me. This is where Peter and these fishermen, this is amazing. We're going global. This is awesome. We've got all the fish. We've got the money. This is great. This is amazing. And then Jesus, being Jesus, does what Jesus does. And he asks them the question again. Ready? Now that I just blessed you with everything you've been asking about, I want you to set it down. And follow me. And I know at first glance you would think, well, obviously they would. I want you to think about the tension in that, though. You want me to give up everything I just worked for? You know what Jesus is basically saying to them? Will you trust me again? Will you trust me again? Will you trust me again? And it's a, I think it elevates the whole thing. I mean, they trusted Jesus. Like, it's kind of like, what do we have to lose here? It's, it's a little easier to put confidence in Jesus when you have nothing to lose. I'll put the nets in. What do we got to lose? We'll see if he's right. If he ends up wrong, we're right where we were. Jesus elevates it now. Now I'm going to give you everything you've ever wanted. And I'm going to say, set it down. Follow me. Trust. Confidence. Test. Comes. Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever shy away from making you trust him more. And the great line here is, don't be afraid. The word fear not, the phrase fear not, I should say, appears 365 times in Scripture. One for every single day of your year. Because that is how many times Jesus knows you need to hear the word, don't be afraid. Place your confidence in me. Ready? Daily bread. Because you don't have enough confidence in Jesus to make it tomorrow. You and I only have enough today. And he knew. You trust me today, Peter. 
but you're going to need to trust me again tomorrow and it's not always going to be easy. Especially on the journey of reaching people. I'm going to ask you to put your nets down again and again and again and again and keep taking the fall into my arms. Do you trust Jesus? You need to place your confidence in his call and his commands again. It doesn't come when it's easy. Listen. What benefit is it to you to say yes to Jesus when it's easy? When you have nothing to lose. Yet his followers give up everything when they have everything to lose. Multiple times, Jesus would say, Jesus would say all through the New Testament things like this. You're going to have to leave your mom and your dad to follow me. Hey, you're going to have to leave your son and your daughter to follow me. Hey, you're going to have to bury, let the dead bury their own dead follow me. Hey, pick up your cross and follow me. I mean, you're going to hear statements like this from Jesus all the time. This thing is going to have a cost to it. Don't make a decision to follow me without counting the cost. You better count the cost because the son of man has no place to lay his head at night. I got no place to sleep. This is not going to be easy. There are going to be days you are hungry. There are going to be days you are thirsty and you're going to have to keep on trucking. We don't have a hotel to sleep in. We're going to be laying on the floor and if we're lucky, someone will take us in but if they don't we'll shake the dust off our feet we'll keep going you trust Jesus here's what I know about following Jesus you cannot follow Jesus unless you're walking he's walking in front of you you can't follow Jesus you can't play follow the leader with Jesus and you're the leader I think far too many people oftentimes, and it's a daily decision. It's a daily decision. It's not a one time I got baptized. It's not a one I have found in my life. It's not like, oh, I've made that decision. He's, it is a daily decision. Lord, lead me. I don't want to be the leader. I want to walk behind you today. The bottom line today is simple. Jesus followers trust Jesus. Trust him fully. Trust him. That Bible in your hands, or the Bible app on your phone, or the Bible at home, the Word of God I just presented to you, it's an invitation to trust him, to place your confidence in him, to do what he said to do, and trust him for the results. And even when you don't see the results as fast as you hoped, keep the nets down. Keep saying, I will not be afraid. For I know my God will deliver me. You will see me through. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I know there are brothers and sisters in this room. People who know you. People who have given their life to you. And some maybe who haven't. Lord, I pray for those in the room that I just mentioned. Lord, that they would trust you again. They would so trust you. They would set down everything once again, surrender all, and say yes to you. I will not be afraid. But Jesus, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you, Lord, would see it through because of your grace and your mercy. Lord, whenever we do get afraid, would you help us? Or would you send a spirit of encouragement our way? Would you send us a a spirit, a person, a word of truth our way that we would not live 
with a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. If today you're waiting for it, but your nets have been in the water for your child, your nets have been in the water for your marriage. Maybe your spouse doesn't even, but it's in the water for a, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, someone you care about. You know, your nets have been in the water. You're praying and anchoring into that, that they one day they'll come to Christ. You've been waiting. Don't lose hope. You're waiting for the miracle and health in your life. There's a health thing and it's like, keep your nets in the water. Trust God's word to see you through. Lord, we surrender again every day. If that is you today, I want you just to open your palms up just as a way of saying, God, and just tell them, just say, Jesus, I trust you. Put it into his arms. You might need to literally just make a movement with your arms just to show him, Jesus, I'm like, I trust you again. I'll drop it all to follow you. I'll drop it all. I'll drop it all. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.